Hello and welcome back, Fight Fans, to episode number 196 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. New issue is out, guys. Make sure you go check that out. We got Alexander Usyk entering the land of the Giants on the cover. So make sure you guys go check out the November 2019 issue of Boxing Monthly Magazine. That is out everywhere. All right, so... Uh, we do have a few news items, quick news items, but before I get into that, I want to remind everybody, it's only one episode this week because we have a light weekend. Next week, we're back to two episodes because we have a loaded fight weekend next weekend, a big pay-per-view, big heavyweight fight, so we'll be back on schedule next week. But this week, just one episode, okay? Uh, also, okay, your fee for episode 196, and this is very, very specific. You know, a lot of times I ask you guys just to share the show tweet it out, share it on your social. That's the best way you can help me. And I appreciate you guys who do that all the time. And there's other ways to help out financially and everything else. By the way, guys, uh, getting a lot of work on the studio done this week and um, big things coming up. Seriously. I know I've been promising this forever, but we're getting closer and closer. I'm getting crazy excited. There's going to be some awesome stuff coming at the start of 2020. It's going to be great. I'm telling you. What I want to ask for you guys this week, episode 196, there was a survey that the zone emailed out to all the members of the zone. I think it was specifically after the Canelo Kovalev fight. I know this. I they didn't send it to me, but all of you guys out there that subscribe to the zone, they sent it to you, emailed it to you. And I know this because some of you told me about it. You forwarded it to me and you told me about it. So apparently there's a part of this the zone survey where they let you enter suggestions, right? Trini says, I already did that. So yeah, because Trini, I know you showed me. But there's a lot of guys out there who either deleted it or just threw it away. Thought, oh, this is spam or I don't want to take the time. I don't want to take the 10 minutes. Look, this is your chance to speak your mind. There's a suggestions box where it's just open. You could open script. You can write whatever you want. Some of you guys out there wrote, hey, man, there's this guy, Michael Montero, that you guys should check out. I can't thank you enough for that. That's an awesome shout out and I sincerely appreciate it. What I'm going to ask from you guys is whether you, do, you want to suggest that they bring on somebody like me or whether it's somebody else. Maybe there's another podcast out there, uh, another show that you enjoy better than this one. Maybe there's another boxing writer or pundit that you enjoy more than me and you want to suggest their name. Do it. Whoever it is, whatever it is you want to suggest, maybe you'd want to tell them nothing more than you guys are doing great, don't change a damn thing. Or, hey, I want to see more of this or less of that. What I'm asking you guys to do is fill out the damn survey. It doesn't mean shit to me. It doesn't help me in any way, except that it helps boxing. It's for the betterment of boxing. And let me tell you why. You guys, the fans are the financial drivers of this sport. If you don't pay, if you don't subscribe to The Zone, ESPN+, Plus, um, Showtime, whatever it is, then the fighters don't get paid. The, the promotions don't succeed. The fighters don't get paid. And that trickles down to boxing writers like me. Like for, if I write an article for Boxing Monthly or The Ring Magazine or, or for the website, I get paid for the post that I do. Or I do a radio spot and I get some money. Whatever it is. I don't get paid. Boxing writers don't get paid. Boxing pundits, whatever it is, don't get paid. And most importantly, 
okay? The fighters don't get paid without you guys. So you are the drivers of this sport. You have more power and influence than you realize. Trust me, the people, the, the, the promotions, the promoters, and the networks, the executives, they are looking at you guys and what you say. Now, don't get on a survey and say, I hate this, I hate that, this sucks, that sucks. Don't just be Mr. or Mrs. Negative. Offer suggestions for what they can do to improve things. And if you want to suggest my name or another person's name, again, it doesn't have to be me. There could be another person on YouTube, a writer for a magazine or a website that you like better than me, and you want to suggest their name. Here's what I say to you. Don't just suggest the name. Also give details. Because here's the thing, guys. It's going to be some intern, some kid in an operations office somewhere that's collecting all this survey data and, and you know, collecting all the answers and all, all the analytics, and they send that off to the, the network boxing people that make decisions. It's, not, it's probably not going to be some boxing-savvy individual that collects this data. So if you say, yo, man, you guys should hire Michael Montero. He rocks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. But the kid that's collecting that data is probably like, they don't know my name from a hole in the ground. So you got to do more than that. And again, it could be somebody else. It could be person X. It doesn't have to be me. But let's just say person X. You should hire person X. They have a podcast I really enjoy. Here's the name of it. Here's, the, here's a link. Or person X is a writer for X magazine. They have an awesome column that I read every month. Person X has a radio show I enjoy or a YouTube channel. Whatever it is, guys, provide details. If you are going to mention me, again, I can't thank you enough. That's freaking awesome. But mention the neutral corner. Mention my work with Ring. Mention my work with Boxing Monthly. Mention my radio segments, my commentary work, my press row scoring. Whatever it is you want to mention, mention some of the details, some of the things I've done so that the person collecting the data can give that to management. So it's not just another name. Because you could say Michael Montero or Stephen Urkel or Screech Powers. They don't know the damn difference between the three of us. They don't. So provide those details. Give a link. Give a link to my iTunes, my Spotify, whatever it is, that, wherever it is that you consume my material. Maybe it's just a link to my articles on Ring TV. Maybe you go to Ring TV. You could go on Ring TV. You could do a search for Michael Montero or a search for whatever other writer you enjoy. And all the articles for that writer will pop up. And you can send that link to the zone. You can... Um, Whatever it is, guys, okay? You, you see where I'm going with this. Provide that extra little information, the detail, so that they can differentiate, oh, this person's a writer. This person's a commentator. This person, like myself, does it all. They can do everything. We could bring this guy on and he could score fights. He could, do, uh, he could interview fighters. He could do live commentary. He could do shoulder programming. You got to introduce those details, Okay. Gonzalo Torres says, stop talking about yourself. Come on, Gonzalo. I said it doesn't have to be me. It could be somebody else, all right? 
All I'm saying here, guys, is that if you're going to bring up a person's name and you're going to make suggestions, you have to think for a second. The person collecting that data is probably not a boxing savvy, knowledgeable individual. They don't know my name from Doug Fisher's, from Max Kellerman's, from Radio Rahim's to anybody else. So you have to provide that extra detail. Okay, so that is the uh, request. That is your fee for episode 196 of TNC. If you got that email from DAZONE, please complete that survey. Whether you drop a name or not, just complete the survey to make your voice heard because it's going to make them do a better job. And that ultimately is going to engage you guys, the diehard fans, and that ultimately is going to create a better product, which helps the sport thrive, which helps the fighters, most importantly, get paid, and that trickles down to everybody, okay? So please do that. Now, let's get into some quick news, and then we'll do a quick review and preview. Actually, a pretty detailed review. Any news on Errol Spence? Anybody? Anybody hear anything on Errol Spence? This really isn't a news item, but it should be. I feel like I should be doing some reporting on Errol Spence and his condition. There's nothing. There's rumors flying that it's 50-50 this guy could fight again, that he's in bad physical shape, that he's more busted up than, uh, than they let on, that they found some, some uh, delayed reaction type of injuries afterwards, that there's some mental issues and stuff. I've heard all kinds of shit. Now, none of this is official. It's just rumors. But because the management at PBC operates this way, and I don't want to beat up on PBC because they do a lot of things great. They do a lot of they do a lot of great things. (laughs) Azier says savage. Yeah, I remember that post. I don't know. Not looking so savage right now. I don't know if he might be absolutely fine, and everything that we heard is correct. But they just are hoping. Let's just shut up and be quiet, and announce his next fight in March. And all this will just kind of go away and people will forget about it and move on to the next news item. That's not exactly going to happen. It will happen with some people. But there are going to be people like me and a lot of you guys out there who are going to ask questions. Dude, what the hell? A lot of fans are going to be like, before I pay $80 to watch Errol Spence fight Danny Garcia, what the hell am I getting? What's up with Errol Spence? Has he stopped drinking? What's going on? Now look, right now, we, we, just, we simply do not know. We do not know. He could simply be healing and resting. Maybe they found some additional injuries, some internal injuries. Maybe there's, there's some emotional things. There's post-traumatic stress, you know, PTSD. That, that's very possible that he's dealing with. Talk about it. Tell us. That's not going to hurt his image. No one's going to look at him and say, oh, you're a pussy. Dude got ejected from a car. All right? Yeah, Gail brings up the best point. I think Spence is in a private rehab somewhere. That's what I was going to bring up, Gail. I, I, my guess, okay, he could be healing. He could be uh, lawyering up and preparing for the DWI charges and all that stuff. But what I tend to believe, and this is what I'm hearing from my sources, all the rumors about his, the additional injuries are bullshit. And what's really going on is dudes in rehab. Some people, again, none of this is official, okay? This is just what I'm hearing. None of this is official. So I want to make sure I make that point. But I'm hearing that some people close to him and management at PBC is like, dude, you're going, you're going to rehab. That's it. Or you're not fighting, again, for us. You're going to freaking rehab and we're putting you in a home and you're going to get cleaned up. You're, no more drinking. None of this, oh, I'll just have one. No, you're done. None of this shit. 
If that's what's going on, that's awesome. And I understand why they might not want to talk about it during that process. I just hope that after that process is played out, he comes out and says something. Because as I've said many times on this show in the recent month or so, uh, there's an opportunity there for him. There's an opportunity for him to be a leader in the community and talk about the issues of drinking and driving and just heavy drinking in general. Even if you're not driving, heavy drinking isn't good for you. I like having a drink, believe me. There's nothing wrong with having a drink every now and then. But binge drinking, getting blackout drunk, and then getting behind a damn wheel. Guys, there's all kinds of things. How many illegitimate children are brought into this world because a dude or a female or both of them get blackout drunk? It happens more than you think. My sister is a nurse. I've heard stories. Anyway, (laughs) we'll just move on from that. So one last thing. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Daniel Jacobs, we're going to fight in Vegas. Junior did not want to take a drug test there. So the Nevada Athletic Commission was using VADA to do testing. They are the one state athletic commission. Also, California, I think, does a really good job that is really trying to make some changes, some positive, effective change in regards to fighter safety. And they will use VADA oftentimes. They've used other authorities, but they've been using VADA increasingly to do drug testing for fighters during camp. A VADA official showed up at Wildcard, the Wildcard Gym in Hollywood, California, to collect a urine sample, I believe, from Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and he was ghost. He was gone. He wanted no part of it. So Nevada basically said, dude, your temporary suspension. I don't even think he was licensed in Nevada, so they can't really suspend him. But they could say, you ain't fighting here in Nevada for right now. That's what the temporary suspension basically means. And they were going to have a hearing November 20th. They have a monthly kind of meeting. And Chavez was welcome to come at that hearing November 20th and explain himself and explain what happened, why he didn't do the drug test. Why he didn't provide the sample, I should say, for the VADA official to take back to the lab to get tested. Instead, Eddie Hearn, the promoter, and everybody involved said, you know what, screw this. We'll just leave Nevada and we'll take it to Phoenix, Arizona. Anything goes in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, us in the media received an email last week. I think it was like Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I think it was Wednesday. And it was, hey, don't tell anyone about this. Don't tweet about this shit. Don't tell anyone. But there's a big announcement coming Friday. This is last Friday I'm talking. Big announcement. There's a big fight coming up in December. This is going to be awesome. But don't tell anybody. We don't want to spoil the surprise. But there's a big announcement coming Friday. So I didn't tweet about this shit. And I'm thinking in my mind, man, what could this be? This is awesome. And I just didn't do the math. I guess I was tired and wore out. And I didn't do the math of the whole situation. When this got announced, I'm like, oh, well, no shit. No shit. And I was thinking to myself, this isn't that big of a fight. I'm interested in it. It's an interesting fight. But this isn't like some huge monumental announcement. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so December 20th in Phoenix, there's going to be Chavez and Jacobs. Chavez, look, do I think Chavez is doing steroids or something? Probably not. I think he's probably been getting baked. Who knows what else he's been doing? But clearly the dude's been ingesting some type of banned substance or substances because he wanted no part of providing a sample. I think a lot of people misunderstand how these samples are collected and everything else. This dude was just training at the gym at Wildcard because you have to report to the authorities, the testing authorities, where you're at, the commission, 
where you're at, where you're training, where you're based, so that they can pop up and just collect the sample. So it's not like he was in Nevada or something. This dude was just doing his thing at Wildcard, and people showed up, and he didn't want to piss in a cup for them. I don't know about you guys, but that looks shady AF, right? So now this fight's going to Phoenix. And look, if all he's doing is smoking pot, I don't really give a shit. That doesn't exactly enable a dude. In fact, I think it's actually probably bad, depending on where you're at in camp. I I don't smoke weed. I don't really know. But from what I've been told about it, it's not exactly a motivator. (laughs) So depending on what stage of camp he's in, I don't know if that's necessarily a performance enhancer. But if that's all he was doing or something else, uh, clearly it was a banned substance. So look, Chavez, how much are you guys going to pay attention to this fight? I don't know. Is it on the up and up? We talk about fighter safety. There was a fighter this week that was killed in sparring, in sparring over in Australia. Michael Zarafa landed a body shot. I don't know all the details yet. I will find out more about it. But we, it was, I think, the fifth death this year. The fifth death in boxing. And this was from sparring, guys. So there's a lot going on here with fighter safety that's come to the forefront again. And it seems that more and more of these deaths are hitting the news waves. They happened in years past, but they weren't, put, they weren't uh, brought into the public light as much as they are now. But we're all connected on social media now. So when these things happen, I mean, think about it. 20 years ago, if a fighter died in sparring in Australia, would we even hear about it here in America? Maybe a few people, but it wouldn't make news. This week, we were hearing about this stuff, right? It's been talked about because we're all so interconnected now around the world. So you got all these things going on with fighter safety. You got all these tragedies. You got fighters dying. You got fighters uh, being affected by performance-enhancing drugs, weight-cutting, all that. So we're trying to do drug testing. This dude skips out on the drug test. Do we punish him at all? Nah, we just move the fight to a jurisdiction that won't drug test him. What kind of message does that send? I don't want to beat up on Matchroom. They do a fantastic job. Eddie Hearn is one of the best promoters in the sport. But this sucks. This just sucks, and it's a bad look and a bad example. Okay, last Thursday, Naoya Inoue beat Nonito Donaire. I talked about this fight already, so I'm not going to go into detail about the fight, but I just want to mention this. There were over 20,000 fans in attendance. That's a big deal. I tweeted about this and posted it on a few platforms on social. It did almost nine, it peaked at almost 9 million viewers live just in the greater Tokyo region. Uh, that, that particular region of Japan. All the numbers for Japan have not been calculated yet, but obviously it's going to be well over 10 million. So it's going to be in the eight figures. And that doesn't count the international market. So when you looked at the global live, I'm talking live guys, global live viewership of that fight, you're talking in the tens of millions. When you're talking about the total views, they go back and watch a replay on the zone and everything, tens of millions of people have watched that fight. A lot of people bitched about it being on a Thursday, okay? Because some people were like, I didn't mind the time, the 7 a.m. time, whatever, because it was 7 a.m. here on the East Coast, 4 a.m. on the West Coast. But people were like, why on a Thursday? So let me explain real, real quick, and then I'll get into some of these other fights that took place last Saturday. The Japanese culture, and it's some other countries in Asia as well, is a very businessy culture, if that makes any sense. So a lot of the businessmen that hang out, uh, well, what they do is during the week, 
they go out to drink. Seriously, I'm not making this shit up. For any of you guys from Asia, I saw one of you guys is on from Hong Kong. You could, you could talk about this. Monday through Friday, a lot of Japanese businessmen and everything go out and after work, they go to the bar with fellow businessmen and they drink, they hang out. It's a networking thing, it's a business thing. Japanese businessmen hang out with their wives and their families on the weekend. Saturday night, Sunday, that's when they're with their wives and their family. On the weeknights, a lot of times, not every single weeknight, obviously, but a lot of times on weeknights, it's let's go out with the fellas, let's network, let's go out with um, all the guys from the company and meet up with all the guys from this other company that we're merging with, and let's have some business talk over some sake and some sushi, and then we'll hit the titty bar. That's what Japanese businessmen are doing during weekdays. So putting this fight on on a Thursday sounds crazy here in the United States. But over in the Japanese culture, to work all day and then go out and hit the bar and eat something and then go to the fights Thursday night and then maybe hit hit the bar after the fights Thursday night is not crazy. It's normal. It's, it's, It's a normal cultural thing. Okay, and again, it's the same way in, in China and other Asian cultures. I'm pretty knowledgeable about some of this stuff. So, guys, think about it. Every year in, in Tokyo, there are fight cards on New Year's Eve, which is often a weekday. It's not uncommon to see cards over there on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night. It's very, very common. If you go back and you think about some of these Japanese fighters, Gail says they work hard and play harder. Hell yeah. It's the same thing if you go to like Seoul, South Korea. If you go over to China and Shanghai, Beijing, cities like Guangzhou down in the southern part of the country, in Canton region and all that. These guys are going out during the week. So it's not a weird thing to have a fight card on a Thursday. So I want you guys to just put that in your mind and understand. Naoya Inoue is a superstar in Japan. He's, he's absolutely the most popular fighter right now. He's one of the, becoming one of the more popular athletes and celebrities. And so they centered the promotion around him and his market. Everybody else had to catch up. So I saw some people bringing up um, you know, old school boxing fights, like, oh, the Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, they put that on overseas, but they put it on at a time over there where it could be prime, prime time here in the USA. Yeah, but it was two Americans fighting. It was two Americans fighting. Now, Nonito Donaire is American, sure. But he wasn't the A-side of this fight. The A-side is Inoue. And he is a Japanese fighter. So it was smart to put it on on the day they did in the arena. And by the way, Satema is like a a, uh, suburb of Tokyo. So it was in the Tokyo market, okay? It'd be like putting on, you know, putting on a fight in Long Island is still part of the New York Market putting on a fight in uh, Riverside or something is still part of the greater LA market. That's kind of what it was. So th- Tokyo is the biggest market in the world. People in America they think, oh, LA and New York are huge. No, dude, Tokyo is number one. That's the h- biggest damn market in the world. Maybe not in terms of banking and all, but in certain uh, certain parameters or, or certain categories, Tokyo is the biggest market in the world. And so they put it on over there in that market, and it worked. They did huge ratings. So that's why it was Thursday. That's why it was where it was, okay? And it was a huge success. They did very, very well on that promotion. Very well. And you saw the results of the fight. It was awesome. 
So I just wanted to mention that and get that out there. Okay, let's talk about last Saturday, guys. Saturday, November 9th, Fresno, California, ESPN Plus, top rank. Jamel Herring scores a unanimous decision over previously undefeated Lamont Roach Jr. This is the first defense of his WBO 130-pound title. Scores were 117, 111 twice. Those were a bit wide, a bit wide. There was a third score of 115, 113. That felt right. This was a close competitive fight. I could deal with 116, 112. It was kind of right there. Maybe eight, seven, eight rounds to Herring. He clearly won, but it was close and competitive. Roach had some moments. Definitely had some moments. And he will improve from this and get better. So good competitive fight. What's next for Jamel Herring? What's next for the former Marine? So I've mentioned this before. Miguel Burchelt's people want no part of him. They just don't. Now, he didn't look as spectacular in this fight as he looked in his last fight. So perhaps... Maybe that fight can happen. But I know one guy who wants him, Andrew Concio, the WBA champ, who scored two, well, one big upset this year and then a minor upset in the rematch with Alberto Machado because a lot of people th- felt that Machado was going to win the rematch. He's got the WBA ch- championship. He wants to unify with Jamel Herring. So that'd be a Golden Boy Herring, a Golden Boy top rank uh, co-promotion. They play nice together. I think that can happen next year. Bring it on, man. We could get some unification at junior lightweight. I love it. Also on this card, Kubrat Pulev. Unanimous decision over a huge, fat Rydell Booker. I was very disappointed. Rydell Booker came in just under 250 pounds. This is a guy who is a cruiserweight prospect. I think he won like the Michigan Cruiserweight Championship, I remember, when I was young. And in, at his prime as a heavyweight, he was like 220. Right around 220. Came into this fight almost 250 pounds. A massive opportunity for him to become a mandatory for a heavyweight title. He comes in almost 250 pounds. So anyway, Kubrat Pulev wins a decision in a stinker. Uh, a lot of the fights this weekend were underperformed. I think Pulev was just going through the motions, playing it safe to keep that mandatory status. He is lined up to fight the winner of the Ruiz-Joshua rematch, and he didn't want to mess that up. Okay, let's go to Los Angeles. Before I get to the main event, and I got a whole lot to say about KSI Logan Paul. A whole lot to say. Let's talk about the undercard. Talk about underwhelming. Billy Joe Saunders, KO 11 win over Marcelo Esteban Cocheres of Argentina. First fight outside of Argentina against anyone ranked for the Argentinian. He had never fought a ranked opponent. This is, so this was a dude fighting outside. Of, this is a dude fighting off the farm for the first time. No disrespect to him, but that's the reality of the situation, guys. His first time off the farm fighting somebody with a pulse. And this thing goes 11 rounds, and one judge had Coceres up 96-94. <laughs> Kissam says Pizza Boy did okay. He sure did. He had moments. He had moments in this fight. Now, Billy Joe Saunders, two judges had him up, I think 96-94, and then he, he got the stoppage in the 11th. It was actually a punch to the back of the head that caused the first knockdown in the 11th, and then a beautiful right uppercut from Saunders, who really does have some skills. He does have skills. A really great right uppercut that caused the second knockdown, and then kind of a barrage of hooks that caused the third and final knockdown in the 11th round. The ref calls it off. So Saunders was in danger of losing this fight. The fight was up for grabs in the 11th round. And then he pours it on and gets him out of there. Some people are saying, oh, well, this was Saunders just making a statement to Eddie Hearn because uh, he was so far down on the undercard. 
Bullshit. Bullshit. We have seen Saunders look like crap before. This dude will fight down to the level of his opposition. And it's one thing if you're getting rounds in, you're coming off an injury, a layoff, whatever. But this guy has consistently done this. He has had one, one breakthrough type of performance. And that was against a faded, well past his best days, David Lemieux, who, who was destroyed in his, in his prime against the prime Gennady Golovkin. Never been the same since. So that was Saunders' one shining moment. And what has he done since then? Dick. He hasn't done a damn thing. I don't want to beat up on Billy Joe Saunders. Okay? It's like it's the same thing with Demetrius Andre and some of these other guys. It's not that I'm trying to beat up on them. I'm trying to just tell the truth and the reality. Guys, it is about marketing. It is about entertainment. It, it's, it's not that skilled fighters can't be entertaining. Because there are some really good skilled fighters that might not be knockout artists who are crazy entertaining. Terrence Crawford isn't who I would call a one-punch KO knockout artist. He's extremely entertaining. He's had a couple fights that were stinkers, but for the most part, he's crazy entertaining. There's several fighters I can point to like Terrence Crawford in that respect, right? So Billy Joe Saunders, it's not that I'm just saying this because he's quote-unquote a boxer and he's not a, a brawler. This has nothing to do with that. It's a mentality thing. You're supposed to be trying to build fans, right? You got all these teeny boppers in the crowd to see the YouTube guys. You're in there against a dude who literally just left the farm and was brought up from Argentina to lose, who's making like not even one-tenth of the purse that you're making. You're supposed to annihilate this dude. Step on the gas, dude. Step on the gas. When he stepped on the gas in the 11th, look what happened. Where the hell was that for the first 10 rounds? Okay, so that's my Billy Joe Saunders thing. Now, does this set him up for a fight with Canelo Alvarez? I don't know. Maybe he gets the fight with Canelo Alvarez because Canelo wants uh, another title at 168. Billy Joe Saunders does have somewhat of a name. He will bring some UK fans. But guess what? Callum Smith, way more popular with the UK fans. Ranked way higher at 168, and his title is way more legitimate if you look at who he beat to get it than Billy Joe Saunders' title is. So if anyone at 168 deserves a fight with Canelo, that's a UK guy to bring in that audience, it's Callum Smith. And then there's other guys like Caleb Plant, other guys at 168 that we could talk about that are much more deserving of a fight. Um, How about Benavidez? much more deserving would pose a much bigger challenge, in my opinion, than Billy Joe Sanders, who I think it's overrated by many. He is very skilled, but he's not consistent. And he doesn't put it together for three minutes of a round. He fights in chunks of rounds. And so that's just what I think about Sanders. Anyway, also on the other card, Devin Haney. Scores unanimous unanimous decision over Alfredo Santiago, who takes his first L. Santiago, a Dominican Republic native who now lives and trains out of Puerto Rico. Scores were 120 to 107 three times. This was a complete shutout. So Haney defends his WBC email title. Those of you who are questioning why I say email title, because Haney won that title through an email from the WBC. So I want to talk a little bit about Devin Haney real quick. He turns 21 years old this Sunday. He was 20 years old when this fight happened for his first official title defense. Just about to turn 21. So this Sunday, he'll be able to legally buy a beer 
at the restaurant. Think about that for a second. Now, I've been saying for the last few weeks that Devin Haney is a prospect with a title. And some people out there took that to be me dissing him or putting him down. No, it's not. It's just telling the truth. Devin Haney is going to be a star in this sport. He's absolutely going to be a star. But he's not there yet, guys. He's not ready for Vasily Lomachenko. He's not ready for... I don't even know if he's ready for some of the other champions at 135 quite yet. He needs a little more seasoning. Want proof? Watch this fight. Yes, he won all the rounds. Yes, it was a dominant performance. But there were moments where Santiago was able to confuse Haney and kind of nullify his attack and what he wanted to do. Now, Santiago was completely in defense mode. He wasn't trying to win the fight, but he was able to stifle Haney to a certain degree. Haney got in 12 much-needed rounds. This is good for him. It's what he needs. And that's my whole point. He's a prospect. Let him develop. He'll be ready for Lomachenko in 18 to 24 months. Three, four fights from now, he'll be ready. He ain't there yet. Give him time. He's a kid, man. He's a kid. He just went the distance with a guy who's never fought a ranked opponent. Just like Billy Joe Saunders' opponent. Okay. Now, look, Santiago is better than the guy Billy Joe Saunders fought. But Santiago had never fought a ranked opponent. In fact, most of his opponents have losing records. He had never fought outside Puerto Rico. Think about that. Where's Puerto Rican boxing right now? Not exactly thriving right? The best fighters from Puerto Rico right now routinely fight in America. The best two or three fighters they have. Santiago ain't one of them. He's a domestic level Puerto Rican fighter and Puerto Rican boxing is nowhere near where it was 20, 30 years ago. And that dude just went the distance with Devin Haney. So Devin Haney is a prospect with a title still developing. I bring this up because I wanted to reference the franchise belt situation with the WBC because I've thought about this. A lot of people have been talking, of course, you saw all the videos and all that from the typical casuals who are saying that this was done to benefit Lomachenko. No, it wasn't. This actually benefits Devin Haney. Now, let me explain. The WBC, if they actually cared about what's best for the fans and the fighters themselves, would have waited until after Lomachenko fights the winner of the Comey Lopez fight to elevate him the franchise champion. But they were having their convention and they need to have a big juicy nugget of news information to announce at the convention. So they did it there. The timing of it didn't benefit Lomachenko or Haney. It benefited the WBC. That's why they did it when they did it because that's what sanctioning organizations do. However, it doesn't benefit Lomachenko. It actually works to his detriment because everybody and their mother knew that he already had the WBC title because he beat Luke Campbell. Just beat him. Has he even had that title for six months? And everybody this whole year has known top ranking, Grandpa Bob, they're very transparent with the media and fans. They tell everyone what the plan is. They knew what Lomachenko was going to do. They knew that he was going to eventually fight the winner of Comey Lopez. So if the WBC truly wanted to do what was the best for the fighters, they would have waited until after that fight so Lomachenko could get his accomplishment and unify all the titles and be undisputed, then elevate him the franchise champion. But did they do that? No. 
They did it during their convention, so it was convenient for them. So it's a bad look for Lomachenko because now it looks like he's quote-unquote ducking Haney. And now if and when he fights the winner of Comey Lopez and beats them, which he should, he's favored to win, there are people out there, there are actually people out there, mostly Lomachenko detractors, who will say he's not the undisputed champion until he fights Devin Haney. There are those people out there. So the WBC butt-fucked Vasily Lomachenko with no lube the way they handled this situation. And ultimately, they helped out Devin Haney because let me tell you guys something. If Devin Haney fights Vasily Lomachenko in the next 12 calendar months, he loses, and he loses pretty badly. He's not ready. And I think the WBC knows this. So does Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, and these guys talk behind the scenes off camera. And let me tell you what the WBC did. Let's just filter through the bullshit and get right to brass tacks. They want in the Devin Haney business. They want in the Lomachenko business. They want to keep good with Grandpa Bob and Top Rank. And they want to keep good with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom. So what do they do? Bump up Lomachenko the franchise so they have this big announcement to make at their convention so they can get trending on social media, particularly in Mexico, with this big announcement. But also, they invest in Devin Haney, who has the BC title now. He could fight whoever the hell he wants. It's not as if they're going to name some difficult mandatory for him. Who's a tough mandatory coming up at 135 that Haney's going to have to fight where he might lose that title? He ain't. He's going to keep that title fighting guys like Alfredo Santiago, who once again, I have to say, was 12-0 coming into this fight. 12-0 against 12 unranked guys, yet somehow is fighting for a world title. Try figuring out the math on that one. That tells you the WBC's plan with Devin Haney because they realize that Vasily Lomachenko has got a few more years left. He's older. He had that long amateur career. He started as a pro very late. He's going to end up looking like Golovkin and some of these other guys who all of a sudden overnight start to look old because they're natural athletes. They don't use performance-enhancing drugs, the extended amateur career, the late start in the pro career, he's going to start slipping very soon. His prime is not going to last long. Devin Haney, on the other hand, turning 21 this Sunday, will be a professional fighter for at least 15 more years in this sport. The WBC is creating and cultivating that relationship very early. These guys know what they're doing. So there you go, guys. There's some business of boxing 101 for you to understand the way this shit works. You're not going to get that from other channels. You're not going to get that from other writers. Maybe that's why my phone call doesn't ring to get some of these commentary gigs and some of my peers get the call. But I'm just telling you guys, that's the way this shit works. All right, let's talk about the main event between KSI, who wins a split decision over Logan Paul in a cruiserweight fight. Scores were 57-54 and 56-55 for KSI and 56-55 for Paul. Let's talk about Jack Reese a little bit. Referee Jack Reese, who's really, really getting beat up on social media, which I find kind of funny. Jack Reese missed a knockdown in the second round. There was a, there was a shot. I think Paul was up on the ropes and KSI landed a looping shot like to the back of his head. He fell down to a knee. He really wasn't hurt. But technically, that's a knockdown. However, Jack Reese talked about it in an interview later and said, look, that really wasn't a legal blow. And it was sloppy as hell. So I just waved it off. 
That's, that was his basically explanation. Correctly called a knockdown in the fourth because Logan Paul landed actually a pretty good uppercut. I was actually surprised by the, the ounce of craft that <laughs> Logan Paul showed by landing that uppercut. He followed it up with a bunch of horse shit and screwed himself. If he just would have backed up after landing that uppercut and extended himself and just threw a right hand, it didn't even have to land flush. KSI would have dropped. He was hurt pretty bad from that uppercut. But he grabbed KSI by the back of the head, uppercutted him again, kind of pushed him down, and then landed a punch on the back of the head. It was a love tap, but it was enough for Jack Reese, who correctly called the knockdown, but then deducted two points from Paul. And it just so happens that had he not taken those two points away, Logan Paul wins by split decision. So Jack's performance, a lot of people are really ridiculing Jack Reese. And I get it. I understand. I don't think it was Jack's best night. But I want you guys, I thought of this analogy. I want you just to think about this for a second. Take your favorite actor, right? The actor that you think nails it every time. Okay, let's take Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's take Denzel Washington, right? Daniel Day-Lewis. Give them a horrible script, with ter- terrible writing, a horrible director, horrible editing, horrible audio. Hor- you know what? The audio and lighting is really great, but horrible writing, horrible directing. Denzel Washington's going to look like shit. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to look like shit. They're going to look like the worst actors on earth if you give them a shit script and a shitty director. That's what Jack Reese had to work with. You know what I'm saying? He was given a horrible script, horrible actors to work with. So what do you expect from him? Now, he, he, and he said that in interviews, basically, dude, this was a catastrophe. I didn't know what to do, basically. So I think Jack over-reffed it. I think Jack should have just let them fight and just let them file the shit out of each other and get crazy. Muhammad Ali at the chat says Jack wanted to steal the limelight. I've heard several people say that. And I understand if that's your point of view. Okay, and I get it. I, I know Jack a little bit. I don't think that's what he was doing. I think he was trying to ref it as a real boxing match. And I think that was his mistake. I think Jack's a good dude. Former firefighter. Uh, just a good guy. Public servant. Really, really a good dude. He doesn't talk about all the stuff he's done for the community on top of being uh, really, really good for the California State Athletic Commission. He does um, seminars and things like that where he, he, he's very, very transparent with the media. He's a good dude and he's a good ref. Do I think he interjects himself a little too much sometimes? Yes, but he wants to have control. That's his personality. He doesn't want things to lose control. I think he should have just realized that this was a complete catastrophe. It was celebrity, quote unquote, boxing. Just do, just let him fight. Don't treat this like a real boxing match. I think had he done that and just called the knockdowns, or maybe, you know what, if he hadn't called either knockdown, either knockdown, because he would have been like, okay, KSI, you fouled Logan Paul to the back of the head in the second round. That's not a knockdown. Logan Paul, you punched KSI in the back of the head. So yours isn't a knockdown. Just, it's a wash. Don't take any points. Just let them beat the shit out of each other in their, their own way. That probably would have been the best way to handle it. That's probably what I would have did. I think he over-refed it because he tried to ref it like a real 
boxing match, which it wasn't. That's my only thing. With, that's what I would tell Jack. And I'd say that right to his face. And you know what? I think if I said that to him, he'd probably be like, you know what, Mike? You're probably right. I really think he'd say that because he's a humble dude and he's a good guy. So there were over 12,000 fans at Staples Center for this fight. This fight belonged in Los Angeles. There was no other city on earth that a fight like this belonged in, okay? LA's the perfect city for it, <laughs> seriously. As a guy who lived there for a decade, perfect city for this fight. Mostly teenagers and wannabe actors. There's a lot of them. And the, the, the wannabes are going to hang around guys like Logan Paul and KSI, trying to suck off the teat, trying to get put on. That's how that business works. It's somewhat like that in boxing because boxing is an element of the entertainment business. But in Hollywood, um, it, it's like that just on steroids. So you had a lot of wannabes in the crowd, wannabe actors. Hey, man, I did a KFC commercial in my hometown of, you know, uh, in Nebraska. Well, I'm hot shit. And they moved to L.A. and they're, you know, delivering pizzas and, and living with five roommates and, you know, eating cheese out of discarded pizza boxings for dinner. <laughs> That's what you get. And that's who was at that fight. There was also porn stars at that fight. Seriously, because I tweeted some of their stuff. Alina uh, the Plug. <laughs> some of you guys might know her work. She was there with all her homegirls. Twer- twerking. And one, one of her friends literally pissed on the floor. Urinated on the floor right there at Staples. And they tweeted about it because they were proud of it. That's who was at this fight. I'm not so sure that's the, found, the, the, the fans that we want to add to the sport. I'm not so sure about that. But is Lena the plug going to come watch Devin Haney's next fight? I don't think so. I think she was there because she knows Logan Paul. So anyway, to the people who were really offended by this fight, I say take a deep breath and relax. This fight isn't going to ruin boxing. This fight isn't hurting boxing in any way. In fact, these sorts of events are not new to boxing. They're not even new to sports. Some of you guys who are a little bit older get, will, will remember this. But in the 80s, I think they even had this in the, in the 70s and stuff. Gail, get on the chat and talk about this. But like in the 80s, they had these, I can't remember what the hell they called it. Like the Battle of the Stars or something like that. Okay. I think it had the word stars in the title. But they would take a bunch of actors and singers and people like that. And they'd have them do like, track and field events in like Olympic decathlons and stuff like that. And it was on like primetime ABC. And these people would get big paydays and do huge ratings. And these guys were amateurs. They were actors and singers and stuff like that. You've seen that kind of stuff with like the NBA All-Star Game. That's it. Yeah, Michael Mindiola. Yeah, Battle of the Network Stars. That's the right. Dude, do you remember that? He says it was pure comedy. Dude, we were like kids when that shit came out. Remember that? Yeah, Sports Talk with Troy said the same thing. Battle of the Network Stars. Guys, oh, was it late 70s, Gail? Okay, so it was a little bit before or some of our times. So yeah, guys, YouTube that shit. Oh my God, guess who the host was? Joe Tessitore. Gail says Joe Tessitore was, was the host. That's crazy. It must have been 12. But seriously, guys, YouTube this shit, okay? This was late 70s, and they had stuff like this in the 80s where there was just... Actors, singers, they're not athletes and doing this real, this real athletic stuff. The NBA All-Star Game, they've brought singers and rappers and shit like that to play basketball. 
with the NBA dudes. They, the, uh, Major League Baseball does stuff like this, right? The only sport that really doesn't do it is the NFL because someone could really get hurt. In boxing, now I understand. Some people are like, well, what about boxing? People die in boxing. Yeah, but KS, it's not like KSI was fighting Alexander Usyk. Okay, Logan Paul wasn't fighting Mr. I am very feel. That would be murder. Okay, they were fighting each other. It was two novices, two pretty boys fighting each other. We've seen celebrity boxing before. We're going to see more of it in the future. Stop being so damn triggered and offended by this. The only people who have any right to bitch is if you're a former professional fighter. If you're a former pro fighter who put in thousands of rounds of sparring, you know, how many, I can't even count the number of miles you've, you've done of road work and everything, all the punches you've taken to the head, and you never got a seven-figure payday, and you want to be mad and bitter because KSI and Logan Paul did in their pro debut, go ahead and bitch, bro. You're not going to get any beef from me on that. You have earned the right to bitch about this, okay? Everybody else, the other 99% of you out there, shut up. It's going to be okay. Seriously. And for those of you out there, fans and, and, and media folks who are saying, this is great for boxing. This is going to build fans. And you're overlooking the shit show that was in the audience. And again, I'm a guy who lived in LA for a decade and has dabbled in Hollywood. I know the, the underbelly of that society and what it's all about. There was an element of that there in the stands. Trust me, boxing doesn't want that around. Trust me, okay? And those people are not going to show up to see Billy Joe Saunders' next fight or Devin Haney's next fight. So those of you in the media who are saying, this was great, we built all these new fans, shut up. Both, so both sides, shut up. <laughs> this was a one-off. We'll see more of these one-off type things. It'll happen again. Just relax and we can get back to boxing. We got a super chat pledge from Oleg Abatini. Thank you so much, Oleg. I appreciate it. He says, why did Logan Paul lose two points for nothing major? Yet Victor Ortiz got only one point for a headbutt on Floyd. New to boxing, I don't know all the rules. Oleg, thank you for the super chat. Point deductions are up to the referee's discretion. Just like a 10 count. I talked about this last week because people were bitching about the donaire Inoue fight in the 11th round during a knockdown where they felt the ref... They felt that Donaire was down when the ref said 10, and yet he let Donaire fight. I thought the ref made the right call by letting Donaire fight. Those things are a judgment call by the ref. There is no scientific standard that everybody goes by, right? Gideon brings up Roy Jones, who was disqualified for punching a fighter in the back of the head. That's very true. So it is up, but although I will say, Roy, yeah, Roy Jones, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was bullshit. Um, it is up to the referee's discretion. Jack Reese in an interview after the fight said, look, there was a knockdown, but there was also a foul. And I wanted to level the playing field. I think a level playing field would have been taking one point or just not counting any of it. Just saying this was a bunch of sloppy bullshit. I'm not going to count any of this. So you bring up a good point about uh, Victor Ortiz. I'm sorry, I, I probably said Virgil Ortiz when I read that. Victor Ortiz, when he headbutted Floyd and got one point. I thought that was the right call in that fight. I really, really do. Um, at the time, I remember watching that because that was a purposeful, 
foul. Like you could tell he was really, really trying to headbutt Floyd. Floyd oversold it and everything because he's a smart veteran. But taking a point from Victor Ortiz in that situation was the right thing to do. Taking two points from Logan Paul, I wouldn't have done it. I probably even wouldn't have taken one point. I would have given him a stern warning and said, you do this shit again, you're getting disqualified. But like I said, I wouldn't have counted either of the knockdowns or any of the fouls. I just would have let them fight because it was a crazy circus anyway. But yeah, Oleg, to answer your question, man, it's just, it's up to the referee's discretion. You know what I'm saying? So two referees might handle the same situation two different ways. And that's just how it goes in boxing. That's just how it goes. All right, so what else can I say about this fight? Um, hmm. that, that's all I got to say. As far as the actual technical stuff, Logan Paul is actually the better boxer. Logan Paul looked like the better athlete, and he had a, a, a jab. Uh, CompuBox, I can't believe CompuBox actually took numbers on this fight and sent out a press release to us in the media. They sent us all the punch numbers, so I could go over all that shit, but I'm not going to do it. But actually, Logan Paul got credit for landing more punches, I think, than KSI. Uh, but Logan Paul, what surprised me about him is his feet moved pretty well. His hands were slow as hell, had zero head movement. I've seen corpses with better head movement. But his feet, he was able to dart out of range to avoid the looping shots from KSI, who fundamentally was awful. I mean, just absolutely awful. And I don't think he landed as many meaningful punches as Logan Paul did. I, th I thought that Logan Paul kind of got ripped off. I thought he did the better work. However, I will add this. Logan Paul looked a little scared to engage all the way. He didn't throw any right hands. KSI, Stevie Wonder could hit KSI with a right hand. Like seriously. Stevie Wonder could just go, <clears throat> he could hit KSI. He really could. That dude, you could hit him blindfolded. And for some reason, Logan Paul would just throw this weird jab like from his stomach. He wasn't jabbing from his temple. He was jabbing like from his stomach. It was this weird thing. But he was using range well. He was extending his left hand all the way. And he was getting out of range and using his height well. But for the life of me, I'm like, dude, turn over a right hand. If, if, you, if you touch this dude with a jab and come right behind it with a straight right, it's going to land. If he starts leaning to his side, just loop the right hand, it's going to land. He never did it. So it seemed to me like Logan Paul was tentative to getting an exchange because he was worried KSI could, um, could counterpunch him. And I got to say, KSI showed way more heart, way more determination, way more fighting spirit. His lips and mouth were bloodied up. His nose was bloodied up. There wasn't a scratch on Logan Paul, but he was being so tentative and so passive. Yet, KSI, who was the guy who got busted up and actually was hurt in the fourth round, he fought back and showed real determination. So when the scorecards were read and he got the decision, I wasn't mad at it. I'm like, you know what? That dude fought harder. He fought like shit. I thought Logan Paul did the better boxing when he actually did it. But yeah, Muhammad Ali says his heart won the fight. Yeah. Uh, Kamari says KSI avoided most of Logan's jabs. Yeah, but Logan avoided most of his right hands. More of Logan's jabs landed flush and snapped KSI's head back 
Then KSI's right hands landed on Logan. KSI missed wildly throughout the night. It's just that Logan Paul did not retaliate. And that's why he lost the fight. He has nobody to blame but himself. And for all the shit talk that um, Shannon Briggs did in the corner, Shannon Briggs was working with Logan Paul. At one point, dude, why would you not tell your fighter, dude, throw a right hand? You just nailed him with an uppercut. Throw another right uppercut on the inside. This dude can't get out of the way of your punches. Just throw punches. What are you doing? Get your hands up. Put your left hand up. So when he counters with the looping right, you can catch it. And just nail this dude with right hands. You will knock him out. Logan Paul should have knocked KSI out. That's what I saw. When I saw that shit right away, number one, I know how I'd fight both. I'd fuck both of them up. I'm just going to say that. They'll never fight me, so I can just go ahead and say I would fuck both of these guys up pretty badly. I already know exactly how I'd fight both of them. Logan Paul would be easy to knock out because he has no head movement. KSI would be a little harder to knock out. But I, I would knock both of them out within about three or four rounds. I, I saw what KSI was doing. I'm like, dude, you're the taller guy. Just, I'm, I'm not even going to go into it anymore. Just rest, rest assured, guys. I'm a weekend warrior. I would tune both of these guys up. Now, when I saw that fight, I was just getting so frustrated because both of them should have been knocked out. But seriously, Logan Paul is actually the better fighter and better athlete from what I saw. Anyway, Gail Falkenthal says, now let's get to the more important question. Who is the next celebrity bout? MLB fans demand Montero versus Radio Raheem for the next YouTube stunt fight. Make it happen. Let me just say, Gail, I would absolutely do that in a heartbeat. If DeZone wants to pay me and Radio Raheem 900 grand, I'm sure Radio would do it too. If they want to pay me and uh, Ness 900 grand to fight each other, sign me up for some of that shit. They won't put me in there against anybody. $900,000 in LA at Staples? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> 900 grand? That, that changed my life. So you know what? Whether it's Radio Raheem, Chris Mannix is a big guy. He's my size. Uh, who else? I talked about Ness. He's bigger than me. Any of those dudes. They want to pay me 900 grand? I'll fight him tomorrow. Seriously, sign that shit up. All right, let's do a quick fight preview, guys. Montero versus Eddie Hearn. Who said that? Who said that? Fossil27 says Montero versus Eddie Hearn. Look, man, Eddie's just too charming. I don't think I could punch him in the face. He'd start sweet-talking me, and then I'd drop my hands, and he'd knock me out with the right hand. Oh, my God, that'd be hilarious. Tonight, Monday, it might already have happened, so I apologize. I don't know the result, but uh, Delphine Pearson is fighting Helen Joseph for the interim WBA Junior lightweight title. That's a piece of the lightweight title that she lost against Katie Taylor. Um, I, I, she, I, she's obviously going to win that fight. So she's back in the title picture at 135. Eventually, I'd love to see her rematch Katie Taylor. That'd be awesome. Thursday, November 14th at the Belasco Theater. Golden Boy Promotions has a card from Los Angeles. Belasco Theater's downtown LA. Okay, Azier says Pearson won already. Okay, yeah. So I, I, to tell you how confident I was in Pearson winning that fight, I wrote unanimous decision in 10 rounds over Helen Joseph. I wrote that on my notes. I just didn't want to say it officially without knowing. Anyway, uh, Golden Boy Promotions, Belasco Theater, downtown LA, this Thursday on The Zone. Friday, November 15th, the Maloney brothers from uh, Australia. They're twins fighting in Melbourne, Australia on ESPN+. Plus. They're both fighting for minor vacant, uh, I don't know if they're vacant, minor WBA titles, 115 and 118 pounds. 
MTK Global has a card from Liverpool on ESPN featuring Rocky Fielding, Martin Murray, and Terry Flanagan, among others. UFC Fight Pass has a card from Salt Lake City featuring 18-0 New Zealand heavyweight prospect Junior Fa. That's probably the most interesting fight of the weekend. And Samson Boxing has a card on Showbox from Sloan, Iowa, featuring several prospects from all over the world, Latin America, Europe, and the United States. This Saturday, November 16th, there is a card from Glasgow, uh, Scotland on ESPN+. And there's a Golden Boy Promotions card from Mexico on Facebook Watch. Pablo, uh, Pablo Cesar Cano is defending his uh, minor version of his WBC 140-pound title. So that's it for this weekend, guys. Like I said, not a very loaded weekend. That's why we're just doing one show this week. We'll be back on regular schedule next week. So look, if you guys want to see me fight, one of these dudes on the zone, start tweeting about that shit because seriously, I'll do it. Pay me and I'll get in there and mess somebody up. Punch somebody hard in the face for the fans. We'll do it on the zone. Hell, I'll do it on ESPN. I don't give a damn. We'll do it on UFC Fight Pass as long as the check's clear. On that note, (laughs) I'll see you at the fight. See you guys next week, all right? Thanks for watching.